Chapter 26 Draco instantly realised his mistake as soon as he entered the library with his hand touching Granger's lower back, as he was welcomed by a nasty scowl from Theo. He completely forgotten, if he was honest, that Theo was going to be there. They'd hardly been working on their potions project together since Theo had taken over and completed all the work for the Diasomnium potion, and they had moved on to Amatentia for something to do. Theo pulled a chair over from the table next to the group and sat it next to him, motioning for his girlfriend to sit there, leaving the only available space for Draco right on the other side of the table. He noticed the uncomfortable silence and glances that passed between Pansy and Blaze, but neither Weaslet nor Granger seemed to. Draco slumped in his chair before pulling out his notes from the arithmancy class he and Granger had just come from, having nothing left to do on the potions project. Theo looked like he was using the free time to read a muggle novel rather than do any homework. If he thinks reading a muggle literature novel rather than doing schoolwork will impress Granger, he's seriously delusional, Draco thought. As the group continued to work quietly, with only brief comments being made between the potions pairs, Draco couldn't help glancing up Granger every few minutes to make sure she was okay although he regretted it every time, as each time Theo would be doing something different to her, stroking her hair with his thumb, moving her hair off of her shoulder to whisper something to her, giving her his signature cheeky grin which he beamed back at, or kissing her on the cheek, making her giggle. On the eleventh time of him glancing to her, he managed to also catch Theo's eye, who was glaring at him, obviously realising that Draco was staring at her, he quickly tore his eyes away and dipped his head to focus back to his arithmancy questions, when a stabbing pain ripped through his left forearm. Draco instantly dropped his quill, causing the group to look at him curiously. He bent down to get his quill from the floor, stealing a glance at Granger's legs as he came back up. All right, mate, Theo asked. His tone was concerned, but Draco knew the look in his eyes. He recognised it from that night in the drawing room with Bellatrix. Yes, mate, he scowled. There's a slip of the hand. Draco's mind was going wild. Why was his forearm hurting exactly where he had his faded dark mark? The disgusting mark that hadn't hurt since his death, and this was sending him to panic mode. What if he's not dead? What if someone else has taken the reins? What if it's all going to go to shit again? He could feel the panic starting in his throat, as his breathing felt more and more restricted with every attempted breath. He stood up quickly and made his way out of the library, ignoring the calls of concern from Blaze. As he reached the corridor, another pang of scorching pain ran through his dark mark. The pain was almost as bad as being hit with a crucio, causing him to drop to his knees as a fresh burn rippled over his skin. Ripping back his shirt sleeve, he looked down at the mark on his skin. It looked no different than it had the day of the battle, still distinguishable in shape, but now a pale grey. It didn't move, and it didn't look like it was being agitated or infected. It just felt like his skin was melting off in waves. Grasping his forearm to dull some of the pain, he tried his best to run back to the eighth-year common room, having to stop occasionally and try his best to avoid the funny looks he was getting from students in the corridors, as he winced and growled in pain using the walls and on one occasion the floor as a resting spot when his legs almost gave out multiple times. As he turned the corner, he eyed the portrait leading to the eighth-year common room, relief washing over him. He took one more step towards the portrait 
when his head suddenly felt like it was being blended from the inside out. Voices were screaming in his mind. Some he recognised, some he didn't. Useless boy, you will serve our lord and you will do the Malfoy proud by doing everything he asks of you. His mind flashed an image of his father, staring down at him as he raised his wand. Please, please don't hurt us, she's only a child, kill me, kill me instead! Images of the Muggle family he'd watched tortured by his uncle, Rodolphus, flashed before his eyes. Fred! Fred! Percy, help me lift him up! Get some water, he needs it! George Weasley was now shouting from a few feet away from him, in his mind as he dragged Fred's lifeless body out of the rubble. How could anyone want to be friends with that? Let alone the girlfriend of Death Eater scum. They deserved to be all locked up and given the kiss for what they side did. He could hear the taunts and ridicule from his peers screaming in his head, fighting for dominance, saving everything he thought about himself on a daily basis. Letting out a guttural scream, he launched himself to his feet and ran for the portrait to his common room, desperate to get back to his room. This can't be happening. He can't be back. I can't lose her, even if she only wants to be my friend. What the fuck was that about? Pansy was still staring at the door to the library, minutes after Draco had run off. Do you think he's okay? Hermione asked as Theo's arm tightened around her shoulder. He'll be fine. Theo! How can you say that? Pansy screeched. Yeah, he definitely didn't look fine, Blaze mused to himself out loud before turning to the group. I've not looked him seen that terrified since... He trailed off, standing up. Where are you going? Hermione asked. I'm going to check on him. Something isn't right. Despite what you think, Theo, he added with a scowl towards the person he now considered a former friend. Hermione and Pansy made to stand before Blaze raised his hands. No, I'll go on my own. He won't want an audience. The two girls sat back down as Blaze exited the library, making his way back down the corridor towards the astronomy tower. It was the first place he thought Draco might go if he didn't want to be seen, as it was close by and an often quiet part of the castle even in the middle of afternoon. It was one of the perks of astronomy lessons only being held in the evenings when it was dark. As he was about to make his way right out of the library, he heard a cry from his left, spinning around to see a group of younger students huddled at the end of the corridor. He made his way over to them, suspicious that this could have something to do with Draco. What's going on here? he asked in his calmest voice. One of the smallest girls was crying, sitting on the floor, the boy who was sat next to her looked up at Blaze in shock. What do you care? That maniac Malfoy you call a friend knocked her over and he ran down that way, the boy spat, pointing down the corridor. He didn't even look back, just growled and ran off. Eighth-year common room. Blaze knew exactly where Draco had gone. He quickly apologised to the group of younger students, not that any of them seemed to care or believe his apology, and ran in the direction of the boy had pointed. Within minutes, he had narrowly missed knocking over several groups of students, hastily gasped out the password to the common room, ran through it, knocking over a pile of books in the process, and was now slamming on Draco's door while shouting all of the counter wards he remembered having to do before. Eventually, the glow from the door died away, and Blaze grabbed for the doorknob, yanking the door open. He rushed into the room, eyes scanning quickly around. 
but Draco was nowhere to be seen. He was just about to turn on his heel and sprint to the bathroom when he heard a sob from the other side of the bed. He ran around to find Draco slumped on the floor, crying, covered in blood. Oh, mate, what have you done? Blaze made his way to his friend, getting his wand ready to say the healing spells he was now all too used to, when he stopped dead in his tracks. As he rounded the corner of the bed and got a better look at the side of his friend he hadn't previously been able to see, his face morphed from concern to a dizzying shock. This was not a normal episode. Draco was hunched over his left arm, his wand in his hand. That was new. Alternating, wincing and grunting in pain with muttered spells that Blaze couldn't hear. He fell to his knees next to him, grasping at his friend's hands, trying to pull his wand out of his grasp. Just then, Draco launched at him with a ferocious roar, jabbing his wand into his friend's throat before realising who he was. Draco's eyes suddenly went wide as he looked at Blaze, going from a stormy grey to a glistening quicksilver as his wand dropped to the ground along with him. Blaze quickly pocketed Draco's wand to stop him doing anything more and gingerly reached out for his friend's left arm to check the damage. He couldn't have prepared himself for what he was welcomed with, and he had no idea how the blonde had managed to do so much damage to himself without passing out from the pain. His arm was practically mutilated beyond recognition. The space on his arm where his dark mark had been was slashed, his skin practically hanging off his arm in shreds. Black swirls of magic or branding ink were still visible under the surface, and Blaze swore he got a glimpse of the black tendrils swirling around the now-exposed section of bone on Draco's forearm. As he pulled the injured arm further towards him to try and do as much healing as he possibly could before getting him to the hospital wing, Draco let out a scream of pain. Clearly the adrenaline was wearing off. The scream had been caused by another injury that Blaze hadn't previously noticed in the crease between Draco's forearm and bicep. He recognised now that the spells that he had been muttering as he grasped for his own wand, sending his Patronus with an emergency message from Madame Pomfrey. The elbow joint was almost completely severed, which explained how limp Draco's arm was in his grasp and the scream of pain. Blood was pouring down his arm onto the floor and onto Blaze's robes as he shuffled closer to his friend, muttering under his breath. Why did you do this? Fuck, mate! He hadn't expected a response, but Draco whispered back, fighting the unconsciousness that was now washing over him from the pain now that the adrenaline had slowed. They won't stop. He's calling for me again. He's angry. Who's angry, mate? Blaze asked cautiously. Draco's eyes never left the floor as he continued to mutter quietly, panic in his voice. He's going to kill me again. I have to make sure she's safe. Not again. He's calling. He's angry. Blaze tried to get Draco to look up at him in the hopes that he could bring him out of his rant for when Madame Pomfrey arrived, dipping his head and grabbing Draco's face in his hands. Mate, nobody is going to hurt anyone. What's going on? Draco was looking at him now, but he could tell his friend's eyes were still not focusing on him or what was going on around him. 
Blaze grabs Draco, trapping his arms by his side in a pseudo-hug to keep him from hurting himself more, sighing in relief as he heard the shout of Madame Pomfrey and McGonagall at the portrait hole, followed by quick footsteps. Draco was still mumbling into Blaze's chest when the two witches entered the room, both gasping at the sight they were welcomed with. Is this his doing again? Madame Pomfrey asked. Blaze nodded. It's so much worse than I've seen him before. He's practically tried to cut his own arm off. And he keeps mumbling about someone being back and all these voices he's hearing. I think he thinks Voldemort is calling him through his dark mark again. The nurse glanced worriedly at the headmistress as she motioned for Blaze to move away and knelt beside the sobbing boy, who was soaked in blood. Why did you do this, Draco? she asked quietly. He's he's calling me. He wants me. I, I can't. Not again. She looked up towards Blaze, terror in her eyes. Get Professor Slughorn and Flitwick, please. Blaze nodded and instantly ran from the room in search of the professors, as Madame Pomfrey turned her attentions back to Draco, waving her wand over him to get a base diagnosis of the damage he'd done. There was numerous red and yellow marks all over the magically projected charm, as she sighed. Reaching into her bag, she pulled out some dittany and pulled Draco's arm gently towards her to heal it. Noticing the bottle, he instantly paled even more, if that was possible, and frantically tried to pull away from her, scrambling onto his bed, looking frantically around for his wand. No! he screamed, glaring at her approaching form. McGonagall was now around the other side of his bed to cut him off from leaping off the other side. Both witches managed to magically restrain him to his bed. No! he screamed again. Don't you fucking dare heal it! Get off me! Get off me now! Cut it off if you have to! McGonagall was now kneeling beside his bed, trying to soothe the boy by stroking his forehead. Is that what you were trying to do, Draco? Cut off your arm? Draco finally stopped thrashing bursting into loud sobs and crumbling under the weight of what he was doing. All he could do was nod as the sound of footsteps echoed once again down the corridor. Slughorn and Flitwick rounded the corner. Blaze hadn't returned to his room, but he could hear him shouting in the common room to a screeching pansy not to go any further. There was also another voice he could hear in the commotion trying to comfort pansy and shouting at Blaze to make sure Draco is okay. He knew that voice. Hermione! It soothed him for a second before the panic set in again and the voices started screaming in his head. She'll be the first one I ask you to kill, a voice hissed. He started pulling once again against the binds that were holding him steady on his bed as the professors crowded around him whispering. Do you think it's some kind of potion or charm? It's definitely not a potion I've seen before. Slughorn said, waving a complex diagnostic charm over his writhing form. Flitwick was studying the diagnostic chart carefully before stepping around the bed and motioning for the others to move. They did so as the short wizard waved his wand, muttering a number of incantations over Draco's head. As soon as Flitwick started to cast his charms, there was a blue glow surrounding the blonde, and his demeanour instantly calmed. The blue glow grew brighter and brighter before closing in to form a small glowing ball which shone out of Draco's ear, before floating up towards the ceiling and evaporating in a screaming pop. 
Staring up at it, Draco thought it had looked kind of like a miniature, unformed Patronus. He felt a wash of quiet come over him. The voices were gone. Nobody was coming to hurt him, or his friends, or her. As the last bit of the glow left the room, he thought everything was going to be fine, until the adrenaline worn off completely, and pain erupted along his nerves. It wasn't the worst pain he'd ever felt. The Cruciatus curse was definitely worse, but this was a close second. Madame Pomfrey was leaning over him with a small vial with a glistening pale green liquid inside that Draco instantly recognised as Dittany. Shit, he must have hurt himself really bad if they needed Dittany to sort him out. The pain was causing the tears to sting in his eyes, but as Madame Pomfrey unscrewed the pipette lid from the vial, he took the opportunity to focus his eyes on where the pain was coming from. All he could see was red. Blood was dripping down his arm, soaking his shirt and his bedsheets. His skin was frayed and hanging off in multiple places, and he could see the bone exposed along his forearm and the inside of his elbow as the elderly healer straightened his arm out, making him cry out in pain. McGonagall's bindings were holding him down, and she was doing her best to soothe him, but all he wanted to do was vomit, at the sight, at the smell, at what he'd done to himself. As the dittany stung his burning flesh, he couldn't fight the nauseous feeling any more and quickly slipped into unconsciousness from the pain. The soothing strokes from McGonagall in his head and the calming words of encouragement from Madame Pomfrey as she dropped the healing liquid onto his wounds. Chapter 27 the sound of screaming, explosions and cracks of apparition filled the air as Draco ran through the corridors of the seventh floor. He'd narrowly escaped the room of requirement with his life, saved by the one and only Harry Potter himself. Of course, all of the people to save him from impending death, it would be Harry fucking Potter and his sidekicks. Fuck, he couldn't refer to her as a sidekick of Potter's. Not like Weasley was. Not after everything that had happened. He'd been such a coward through his entire life in so many things, and it all led him to watch the girl he's pined for for years nearly die on several occasions while he ran like a child to hide. He always thought he would never deserve her, but after his actions in this godforsaken war, he was now certain of that fact. As he ran, he wouldn't allow himself to look back. He knew that Goyle had made it out alive and ran ahead of him, and he knew that Crab would not be following them, but he wouldn't let himself think about that now. He was alive, and he had to get out of there. But what would happen to Granger? He stopped, dead in his tracks, now on the fourth floor, and fought with himself in his mind. He'd been a coward all his life. He couldn't be a coward in this moment. He'd never forgive himself if she died. So, he resided with himself that he would stay in the shadows and help her in any way he could. If there was one redeemable thing he could do before he died, or got sent to Azkaban for the rest of his life, it was to make sure she survived all of this. He continued down the stairs, noticing a flash of bushy brown hair flying down the moving staircase two floors below him, and managed to keep up with her until she vanished towards the Great Hall. She was running right back into the fray of the battle, one shooting red jets of light towards the enemy in a constant loop, she really was going to be the death of him trying to keep her safe. 
He lost sight of her quickly and rushed out through the entrance hall into the centre of the battle. He was frantically looking from side to side for her unmistakable hair, but couldn't see her anywhere. A scream from somewhere behind him made him spin around as he saw a familiar blonde be tackled to the ground by Greyback, his teeth sinking into her shoulder as he ripped her skin apart. One of the Indian twins, Patil, he thought they were called, was screaming at him to stop, but he just laughed. Draco couldn't watch any more death, lunging himself forward and shooting Crucio straight at the werewolf's head, knocking him to the floor long enough for the twin to pull her friend away. Draco kept the torture on his once ally for as long as he could, eventually having to give in. Greyback stood up quickly, now with his anger fully trained on Draco. You fucking blood traitor scum Malfoy, he growled. I always knew your family was pathetic. Greyback lunged at Draco, but his seeker reflexes, despite not being used for almost two years, meant he was able to dive out of the way just in time, rolling over onto the floor, his wand remaining expertly trained on the werewolf. Yellow teeth barred as Greyback screamed in frustration as he lunged once again in Draco's direction. Scrambling backwards on his elbows, he managed to point his wand straight between his attacker's eyes as he rounded on him, screaming, Bombardo! as loud as he could. Greyback was instantly flung backwards, flying high and far through the air, dangerously close to the edge of the cliff that dropped down from the courtyard to the river below. Draco lost sight of Greyback for a second as the battle continued to rage all around him, only realising that the werewolf had been blown off the cliff edge when he heard a strangled roar and a yelp. He quickly ran over to the cliff edge, where he was joined by a crying patil twin, both staring down at the mangled form of an obviously dead enemy far below. Thank you, Malfoy. The twin was now looking at him with tears in her eyes. Are you, are you okay? Yeah, he whispered. Sorry, I couldn't... I couldn't save your friend. The twin gave him a reassuring smile, briefly. Don't be. She made to run off to continue into the battle, before stopping and turning back to him. Look after yourself, Malfoy. I'm glad you're on our side when it matters. Then she was gone. On their side? Was he on their side now? He'd always done everything he could to protect Granger without getting himself discovered, but he wasn't particularly on the side of the Order. Just Granger. But deep down, he also hadn't believed any of the blood purity crap for years, and he had only done what he was asked of the Dark Lord, through having no other choice. Did that make him part of the light side? He didn't think so, but it was a start. Shaking the thoughts from his head as he was pulled back into the fray, as a streak of red shot past him, he ducked and dived through the battle, looking once again for Granger. He wasn't casting any attacking spells towards anyone, light or dark. Did that make him a conscientious objector? Maybe a coward in the eyes of the light side? A blood traitor in the eyes of the dark? It wasn't a particularly comforting place to be. He finally found Granger with her back to the weasel, both defending a group of younger students who were huddled in an alcove that had been exposed by the fallen wall behind them. Draco was about to run over to them before stopping himself. It was a surefire way to get himself hexed and probably killed, especially as two more Weasleys had joined the pair, easily taking down the two Death Eaters duelling them. 
Draco ducked behind a wall, casting additional protective charms over the younger students as he noticed the shimmer of the current charm on them sparking and failing before casting one around himself. He might not have had the balls to charge in and protect Granger, but he would do his best to keep any evil from coming near her from his hideout. He didn't have to wait long before he was casting a leg-locking jinx at a young Death Eater who was launching himself over some rubble in their direction. Granger and Weasel were ushering the younger students down the hill and shouting at them to get to the boats as the two older redheads Draco now recognised as one of the twins and that boring one that was head boy in his time at school protected them. He could see the twin, which he quickly realised was Fred, as his older brother had shouted his name when he saw the Death Eater climbing over the rubble, looking with confusion at their attacker now writhing on the floor, trying to squirm his way to his wand, which had fallen out of his hands, as his legs locked and he crashed to the floor. Did you do that? he asked. No, I thought you did. The older Weasley shook his head, quickly flicking his wand and causing the Death Eater's wand to fly down the hill before stunning him out cold. The Weasley brothers turned around as Granger and Weasel made their way back up the hill. They hadn't noticed the two other Death Eaters making their way through the rubble towards them. Draco was quick, but not quite quick enough, as he launched a stunning spell towards one of the attackers. It all happened in a flash, too quick for anyone to react effectively. As the shorter Death Eater fell to the ground unconscious, the taller launched a bombarder towards the Gryffindors. The oldest Weasley managed to knock the hex away from hitting his brother, but it ricocheted into the wall behind them. A loud bang followed the sound of falling stone echoed all around them, and before they knew it, large chunks of the castle were falling down. The oldest Weasley leapt to the side, managing to cast a protective spell around himself. Selfish git, Draco thought, before a large stone fell beside him that would have crushed his legs. Draco panicked when he saw the rubble falling, and in a split second was launching himself out of his hiding place and casting the strongest protective bubble he could around Granger, and in turn, Weasel. He held it for as long as he could in his magically exhausted state, managing to keep it strong until the rubble had stopped falling and the dust had settled. He collapsed back into his hiding space, watching Granger and Weasel bash on his protective shield, trying to get to something. When he realised it, both Gryffindors and the older Weasley were running towards a pile of rubble between them, frantically sifting through it. Fred! Fred! the group was screaming. Draco realised what had happened when he heard a strangled cry from Weasel and a gasp from Granger. As he lifted something from the rubble, Draco realised that it was the limp, bloodied hand of Fred Weasley. He had not been able to save them all, but at least he had been able to save her, and he slipped into unconsciousness. Draco opened his eyes groggily. Wherever he was, it was really bright, so it couldn't possibly be the great hall at Hogwarts, where he had seen him taking all of the injured, sick and dead. It was also far too quiet. Had he died after slipping into unconsciousness on the battlefield? As he tried again to open his heavy eyes, he felt a soft hand slip into his, and a gentle female voice. Malfoy? Are you awake? Who was that? It certainly wasn't his mother or any of his friends like Daphne or Pansy. They wouldn't have called him Malfoy. Maybe it's her, he thought before chastising himself. Don't be a fucking idiot. You may have protected her in the battle, but you're still worthless in her eyes. 
Malfoy, open your eyes for me. It's Hermione. Yeah, I definitely died in the battle. This can only be heaven. He opened his eyes, blinking in an owl-like fashion a few times as the room around him came into focus. He was in St Mungo's. He'd recognised that sickly mint curtain and those horrible fake leather pale blue visitor chairs anywhere. Blaze and Pansy were stood in the corner of the room, looking worried, and as he turned his head to the side, his gaze locked with Granger's. She looked equally as worried, and was still holding his hand, a small smile on her face at seeing he was awake. Pansy and Blaze rushed over to him as he stirred. What the fuck happened? he asked, looking at Granger. Did did we win? Win? She looked confused. Draco? Pansy rested herself on the end of his bed. Where do you think we are? Some Mungo's, obviously, he scowled at her. After the battle, did we win? Mate, the battle was over months ago, in May last year. It's almost March. Blaze gave him a look of concern as the door to his room opened and a short, stout nurse bustled in. Pansy instantly leapt up and headed to the healer. He thinks it's May last year, is that normal? Has he just woken up? The three of them nodded as the diagnostic charms were cast and the healer nodded. He's fine, just a bit groggy. Sometimes when someone has been through a traumatic event, which I'm appalled to say you kids have been through far too many in your short lives already, it can take the brain a few minutes to catch up. Give him some water and give him five minutes. With that, she nodded again and disappeared out the room. Granger? Draco gasped, pointing to the glass of water on the end of the table. He handed it over to him and he took a long drink before continuing. His friends now all sat around him. I tried my best. I'm... I'm sorry I couldn't say Fred. Granger's face contorted into shock. Fred? Draco nodded. I did my best. I'm sorry. It wasn't enough. He was almost in tears as she looked into his eyes with an emotion he could only assume was fear. She quickly got up from her chair and mumbled about getting some tea for the group and was gone in a flash. Draco looked over to Blaze and Pansy, concerned. What did I say? Mate, the battle was ages ago. What are you on about trying to save Fred? He was crushed by falling rubble in the back courtyard. Hermione was there and saw it happen. Probably just a difficult subject for her to talk about and drag up memories from. My wand, he motioned to Pansy. Please. Pansy reluctantly gave him his wand and he conjured a small vial before putting his wand tip to his temple, pulling out a long, thin, silvery string, which he placed in the bottle carefully. He handed it over to Pansy. Can you give this to her? She nodded and stowed the vial in her pocket before sitting back down on the bed. Draco closed his eyes once more and drifted off again into a dreamless sleep. He wasn't sure how long he was out for, but when he came to, his friends were still with him, sitting in the corner of the room, chatting. He remembered everything that had happened. He was no longer stuck in May last year, and felt like a bit of an idiot for giving his memories to Pansy. He wondered if she'd already given them to Granger. He didn't really want to know. It was too late to ask them back now. Whatever happened would happen. 
he took the opportunity while his friends were distracted to look down at the damage he had done on his arm. It was completely wrapped up, from just above the elbow to the thick white bandages, with a funny smell coming off them. He winced as he tried to sit himself up, carefully watching his arm. Granger and Pansy were over in a second, helping him up. It's a mixture of ginger, cloves and rosemary, Granger said, noticing where his eyes were staring. It smells awful, I know, but it will help you heal physically, and... She trailed off. Mentally, he offered. She nodded, plonking back onto the chair beside him. We really thought you'd done one on yourself for a second there, mate. Blaze chipped in from the other side of the room. Don't ever do that to us again. Draco nodded, looking away from his friends and focusing again on his bandages. What the hell were you thinking? We've been here for three days with you out cold. We're sick, Pansy said shrilly as the doors to his room opened once again. I think we have an answer to that, an unfamiliar voice said. The group turned to see two auras standing in the doorway. A healer in white coat with a gold trim, obviously the head healer on the ward, stood behind them. Mr Malfoy, the middle visitor said, making her way over to his bedside. I'm head healer Ailish McGarren. Do you think your friends could give us some privacy while we have a little chat about what happened to you? The group stared nervously at the auras, all reluctant to move, fearing that Draco might be taken to Azkaban for something, though none of them could think why that would be the case. Head Hiller McGarren must have noticed this, as she continued with a smile. Don't worry, it's nothing bad. The auras are here for your protection only. I can assure you it's just to let you know what brought you here. Pansy and Blaze nodded, and Granger started to get up from her seat. Will you be okay? she asked. Draco nodded and she smiled, adding, Okay, Brill, I've got to get back to school anyway. Theo's got a date planned for us and I promise I'll be back in time. I'll come by later though, unless you'll be out today. She looked expectantly at the healer. Not today, I'm afraid, Mr Malfoy, but I see no issues with you getting back to school tomorrow evening. With that, the trio left Draco to the healer and Auras, giving him a wave on the way out. Draco trained his attention on McGarren, trying to push down the pangs of jealousy that were running through his veins at the thought of Granger still dating Theo. Mr Malfoy. McGarren was now sat in the chair Granger had vacated and was looking at him with concern. It appears you have been the victim of, of what I hope is a nasty prank. I say I hope as if there was any kind of real malice behind this situation. We could be looking at something very serious indeed. Draco was having to use all of his energy to focus on what she was saying. It appears that you were given, I assume unbeknownst to yourself, an exterium potion. We don't see it much nowadays, as it's widely considered dark magic, often used to torture and... She trailed off, glancing quickly at his bandage that was covering what was left of his dark mark. He took the pause as opportunity to ask, like from the Latin exteri, nightmare, she nodded. Yes, exactly like that, Mr Malfoy. We believe the person that slipped you this potion did so as a prank, not realising the horrible effects this potion actually has upon a person. It's widely believed that this potion only has effects on sleeping people, giving them awful nightmares for months. But that's only because it's very, very rarely been given to anyone who was actually awake. 
in your case, your worst nightmares became your reality. You hallucinated sights and sounds. Draco was fuming. He could feel his blood boiling in his ears. All those horrible screams had been fake. All those horrible things he'd seen flash across his mind had been a lie. Do you know who did this to me? He said through gritted teeth. The healer nodded towards the two auras who were still by the door, motioning for the older to come forward. He made his way over to the other side of Draco's bed. Mr Malfoy, Oral Shalesbury at your service. He cleared his throat. We don't know for certain who gave you this potion, but we have a team of Auras already at Hogwarts. Their initial findings have shown that the potion you were given was administered to you in your breakfast pumpkin juice. There was no trace of it within the kitchens, and all of the house elves have denied tampering with any of the juice. It's practically impossible for it to have come from the kitchens without other students, who share the same drug as you to be spiked as well. He paused, ruffling his moustache in thought. I must ask you, Mr Malfoy, who were you sat with at the table for breakfast this morning? Who could have slipped you something without noticing? You think this is one of my friends? Draco was astonished, jaw gaping open. Mr Malfoy, if you please, Shelsbury said in a sterner voice. Who were you sat with at breakfast on that morning? Draco thought back to that morning. It had been four mornings ago in the real world, but to him it was only yesterday, picturing who he was sat with. He remembered laughing with Blaze and Ginny about some old witch lingerie magazines the redhead had confiscated from the fifth year on her prefect rounds the night before. He remembered handing over the plate of toast over to Granger as... Shit, as Theo poured him a glass of pumpkin juice. How long does the potion take to kick in? he asked. Both auras looked at McGarren, who pondered before answering. It's usually instantaneous when given to somebody who is sleeping, but with someone who is awake, I could only estimate maybe two hours. I, I know who it was, he said, deadpan to the auras. About the same amount of time that had passed since Theo had passed him his pumpkin juice at breakfast, and when Granger and he joined them in the library after their first class of the day. It was so obvious now. Everything was falling into place. The potion, the curse that had been cast using his wand, that he swore was stolen from him, and returned to his room later when he'd been sat next to Theo. All of the sneers and jabs he'd received from Theo since the start of term. It's all about her. It's always all been about her. Mr Malfoy? Fuck, he'd completely lost his train of thought as he went into detective mode in his head, forgetting that he still hadn't told the Auras who had done this. It was Theodore not. McGarren leant forward and tried to tuck Draco back into his bed, saying something about needing rest, while his attention was stuck on the Auras who were now muttering to each other about sending a message to the current team at Hogwarts to track Theo down and bring him in for questioning. Draco went into panic mode. Granger was with Theo on a date. He felt the bile rise in his throat at the thought of someone who could do this to another person being anywhere near Granger, speaking to Granger, touching Granger. With a burst of energy he didn't know he had in him, he launched himself off the bed, grabbing his wand from the table, hospital gown billowing behind him, exposing his bare back. Luckily, he had jogging bottoms on, so he wasn't bothered if people got a few glimpses of his torso. He ran through the corridors of the hospital, ignoring the shouts from McGarren, Shalesbury and his fellow Aura, 
and the hospital staff looking for an office. Round in the corner and just before the reception area, harbouring gasps from the people waiting for their family members and the receptionist who was filing her nails, he saw a sign that said, Staff Healer Gregory Lander. That would do. Staff and head healers all had their own flu fireplaces in their offices to have quicker access to other wizarding hospitals around the world. He sprinted into the room, thankful that whoever healer Lander was, he wasn't there, grabbed a handful of sparkling powder from the mantelpiece and threw it into the flames. As soon as they turned green, he jumped in, choking out a strangled Hogwarts, laced with fear and anxiety for Granger, and was gone. Chapter 28 Hermione was a little nervous for her date with Theo, to say the least. They'd had a few rocky patches over the past couple of months, since they'd come back to school in January, really, but she wasn't ready to let him go. He had a temper and he was jealous, but everyone had their issues after the war, and she'd put Theo's down to that. The majority of the time he was sweet and considerate and romantic, much more so than any other boy she'd had dated in her 19 years of her life. As she sat on her bed, finishing on her hair, she couldn't help but think of Malfoy, though. He was broken and more traumatised than most because of the war, and she felt herself worrying for him, as anyone would. She absentmindedly stroked the vial that contained his memory in her pocket, making a promise to herself to ask McGonagall for the use of her pensive as soon as her date with Theo was finished. The problem with Malfoy was she worried about him more than she should just a friend. She actually cared about him and there was no denying her attraction to him. She had lost track over who was winning out of him and her boyfriend in appearances in her imagination whilst masturbating. Was this where her hesitation with Theo was truly coming from? She'd always put her reluctance to fully give herself to her boyfriend sexually down to her experiences in the war, but when she had shared that steamy moment with Malfoy in the astronomy tower all those months ago, she hadn't felt any of that anxiety. It hadn't even crossed her mind. She'd felt safe with Malfoy in a way that she didn't feel with Theo. She was interrupted by a knock on her door. When she opened it, she saw Theo beaming back at her with that boyish grin that just made her melt. This was her boyfriend. This was who she was supposed to be with. He held out his hand to her. Ready to go, princess. I've got something really special planned this evening. Where are we going? she asked following him out of her room, placing the glass vial of Draco's memory into her top drawer on her way past. You'll see, my love. Thea chuckled as he led her up to the sixth floor. She'd never really been on this side of the sixth floor before, other than for a few months in third year to get to the divination tower, and had no idea where her boyfriend was taking her. He noticed her sceptical look as he glanced back at her. Don't look so worried, princess. I'm not going to take you to a divination class. She laughed at this, squeezing his hand tighter. It always amazed her how much Theo knew about her from before they were friends, and she loved that about him. I would have turned right around and never spoken to you again, she joked. We can't have that now, he laughed, coming to a stop opposite a large tapestry of a girl sitting beneath an apple tree. Hermione glanced around. There was nothing in the dark corridor where they stood other than the tapestry and a few closed doors further down. Theo, is there meant to be something here? 
He brought his hand up to cup her face, gently pressing a chaste kiss to her lips. As they kissed, she felt her hands raising to grip the front of his shirt, pulling him as close as possible. As she made to deepen the kiss, Theo pulled away, causing a small whimper to leave her lips. Look, he said as she opened her eyes to tell him off for stopping kissing her, but she was instantly distracted by the tapestry on the wall, which was now glowing gold and swaying in what looked like a breeze, despite there being no windows around to cause such a draught. Theo guided her over to the tapestry, pulling it aside to reveal a thin corridor which had an eerie glow coming from the end of it. He motioned for her to go inside, and she eagerly did, his hand on the small of her back guiding her down to the end. When she reached the eerie glow, she realised that it wasn't eerie at all. It was the moon and thousands of stars. She stepped out onto the small opening from the corridor and was welcomed by a beautiful scene. The corridor led to a secret balcony which sat below the divination tower with a spectacular view of the Hogwarts grounds, particularly the Black Lake. Oh my goodness, Theo! This is absolutely beautiful! She marvelled, her eyes going even wider when she noticed that he had prepared a picnic blanket for them on the floor of the balcony with all her favourite foods. How on earth did you find this place? She added, sitting down facing him. He passed her a glass of hot chocolate, which she had poured while she had been admiring the view, answering with a smile. Draco and I found it last year when we were looking for a place to stash our fire whiskey. We both spent a lot of time here, trying to make ourselves scarce from... His face instantly dropped to a frown. Well, you know. No, I don't know. You never talk about it. She hadn't meant for it to sound accusatory, offering him a small smile and apology. No, Theo sighed. You're right, we don't, and I won't speak for Draco, but I certainly felt the need to keep out the way as much as possible last year. My father was furious that I'd never taken the mark, and he made sure that the Carrows hunted me down as much as possible to be their little lapdog. Almost more than Draco was, he shelled off. Hermione scooted closer to him, cupping his chin in her fingers and raising his dropped head. You don't have to talk about it at all, not to me. I don't care what you did back then. What matters now is the man you want to be and the person you are. And I know, Theo, that that is someone good. Just like Pansy, just like Blaze, and just like Draco. His eyes met hers as he gave a small nod before gesturing down to her cup. Drink up, princess. It'll keep you warm out here. She obliged, almost downing the entire contents of her cup as the warm and sweet chocolate slid down her throat, filling her with a wonderful tingly feeling. Draco almost fell out of the flu, trying to scramble out of it as quickly as he could, running out from Rudagonwall's office. He was very lucky she wasn't there to stop him. He darted down corridor after corridor, upstairs and downstairs, and dodged multiple groups of students trying to get back to the 8th year common room as quickly as he could. Bursting through the door, he ignored the cries of surprise from his peers, eyes focused on darting about the room for a familiar bushy head. Not seeing her, he ran towards the corridor to the bedrooms, straight to Granger's door. He yanked it open, his heart fluttering gratefully that it wasn't locked, but instantly going back into panic mode when he realised she wasn't there. Maybe she was in the bathroom. He yanked open the door to the communal bathroom, but it too was empty.
He spun around, pointing his readied wand at the face of the person who had just grabbed his shoulder, coming face to face with Blaze. Pansy, Ginny and Neville were behind him, looking worried and confused at Draco's behaviour. Draco? Blaze said cautiously. Mate, I've called your name like five times. What the fuck is going on? Has it got something to do with all those auras looking for Theo? The youngest Weasley chimed in before Draco could answer. He nodded, panic, making it difficult for him to string a sentence together. Granger, in danger. Theo, shit, have they found him? No, Ginny shook her head. He left with Hermione for their date about 15 minutes ago. But five minutes before, a team of auras burst in, demanding to see him. Draco could feel the sweat pooling at the nape of his neck. Where did they go on their date? Nobody knows, mate. Sorry. He didn't say. He said it was a surprise and he had something special planned. Draco nervously laughed at this. I'm fucking sure he does. Weaslet pushed Blaze out of the way, pointing a finger in Draco's face, her eyes boring holes into his. What the fuck does that mean? Look. Draco looked sternly at all of his friends. Yes, he suppose he classed Weaslet as a friend now, too. I don't have time to explain, but Granger could be in danger. We need to find where he took her. It was Theo that cursed me and made me end up in hospital, and I don't trust him right now. The group looked a little sceptical at Draco's rushed explanation, but they seemed to understand the time-sensitive nature of finding their friend and instantly sprung into action. Right, the redhead had put on her bossy voice that Draco had once heard Granger refer to as her Molly Weasley voice. Blaze, go to the Quidditch pitch and get a broom to scout the grounds. Pansy, you'll go and tell McGonagall that Hermione is with Theo, and then go to the Slytherin common room and see if anyone there knows where they are. Neville, round up the rest of the eighth years and get them each searching a floor of the castle. I'll go and check the Gryffindor common room and send an urgent owl to Harry and Ron. Malfoy, can you go check on the Forbidden Forest? The group nodded. Blimey, Red, I can see where you're Gryffindor, Blaze said, impressed. Weaslet brushed his comment off with a flick of her hand before leading the group out of the corridor. She could be anywhere! Pansy was breathing heavily from all the running the group was doing before they split up on the main staircase. There's way too many places to have a picnic at Hogwarts. Draco stopped dead in his tracks. Pansy, what did you just say? Oh, she gasped. Yeah, Theo said he was planning a picnic for their date, but I don't see how that helps us. There's countless places you could go for a picnic, both inside and outside of the castle. Draco suddenly turned on his heel, running back to the main staircase, ignoring his friend's calls until Weaslet caught up to him at the bottom of the stairs. Malfoy, where the fuck are you going? You're meant to be getting a broom with Blaze. Draco sighed. Again, time sensitive, but I think I know where they are. The redhead called back to the group to carry on to their designated search locations, before motioning for Draco to lead the way up the stairs. I'm coming with you. Whether you like it or not, she's my best friend. Draco nodded, flying up the stairs with Weaslet close behind him. He darted up to the sixth floor, twisting and turning around corridors before slowing down as they came to the last right-hand turn. 
Malfoy, I don't mean to be rude, but why would anyone have a picnic up here? Last year was tough. I know, the redhead scowled. Tough for everyone. Theo and I found a secret balcony behind a tapestry down this corridor where we could hide from the carrows so they couldn't force us to talk to the younger students. It's always been our go-to place when we needed to get away. Theo mentioned on one of our last visits that it would make a perfect place for a picnic date and swore to bring his first girlfriend there one day. So, shh! The redhead put her finger to his mouth. Insulted, he quickly brushed her off and made a snap back at her with a witty remark before he heard a groan coming from behind the tapestry behind them. The pair looked at each other before lifting the tapestry. The moans became louder, but they didn't sound like Granger. They sounded male. More than one male. Go and get McGonagall and let the Auras know where we are. I'll investigate. Ginny nodded and ran back down the corridor as Draco got his wand from its holster on his forearm and made his way into the corridor to the small alcove leading to the balcony. As he approached, the moaning got louder and louder. There was definitely more than one male voice, but he couldn't make them out. As he glanced around the alcove's opening, he was welcomed with a sight he never wanted to see again. Granger was straddling Theo, bouncing up and down on his cock, dress hiked up to her waist, and the top buttons of the dress undone, enough to expose her lacy bra. Theo's hands were kneading her breasts and Granger bounced. But that wasn't all. As he followed the sweaty lines of Granger's body up to her face, he almost choked as he took in her limp mouth being fucked by the cock of none other than Anthony Goldstein. He could feel the anger and jealousy rising within him as he stepped out from his hiding place. What the fuck is this? he shouted. Theo and Goldstein instantly jolted away from Granger as she was pushed off Theo to the ground on her knees, arms going limp by her side and mouth still slack. Draco rushed over to her, pulling her dress to cover her and taking her chin into his hands to see if she was okay. Her eyes were glazed over and she didn't look like she was even aware that he was there. Granger? he questioned, shaking her chin gently and pushing her hair out of her face. Granger, are you okay? Can you hear me? He heard a shuffle behind him and turned like lightning, shooting a stunning spell towards Antony, who was making for the exit, causing him to slump unconscious against the wall. Thea had made no attempt to move, simply smirking down at Draco. What the fuck have you done to her, Not? Oh, he laughed. Not now, is it? My, my, Draco, you are a fickle with your friendships. Then again, I would hardly call us friends this year, would you? This has nothing to do with me, you fucking asshole. Draco growled, pulling Granger into his lap on the floor and desperately trying to get her to focus. Just tell me what you've done to her. Not as good at potions as you like to make people believe, are you, Malfoy? I'm quite disappointed that again, you've been so adamant these past six months to try and take something that doesn't belong to you, I'm not surprised you've missed things. What are you going on about? Give her half an hour. She'll be fine. Theo laughed once again, and before Draco could react, he had pulled some dark powder out of his pocket, throwing it to the floor and plunging the whole balcony into darkness. Draco recognised it as that awful powder the Weasleys sold at their joke shop, the same powder Potter had tried to use as a distraction on the train at the start of their sixth year. 
When the cloud cleared, Theo had vanished. Goldstein was still slumped by the wall, unconscious, so Draco gently laid Granger on the blanket on the floor, making sure her dress was fully covering her, and was repaired where it had been ripped. He made his way over to the boy, reviving him with a quick splash of water from his wand. Goldstein spluttered, his face filled with anger, until he saw Draco looming over him, which caused his features to instantly morph into fear. Now, Malfoy, he began. Draco didn't want to hear any of it. He instantly bound Goldstein and pulled him to a sitting position, wand poking hard into his throat, red sparks crackling at the end of it, causing minor burns to the boy's neck. Tell me everything you know. Draco's voice was quiet, but Goldstein could feel the anger and danger in it, so quickly blurted everything he knew in quick succession. He told Draco how Theo had come to him a few weeks ago, saying that he wanted to do something special for Granger, and had noticed how he fancied her. He told Draco how he'd arrived at the balcony, and Granger had looked quite out of it, how Theo had assured him that she was just drunk, and had taken a potion for the occasion. He told Draco how he was a little sceptical at first when he saw how glassy-eyed Granger was, how he tried to pull out and said he didn't want to do it, but when Theo had threatened to push him off the balcony, he didn't fail to comply. Do you know what he gave her? Draco snarled, gripping at the boy's robes. Goldstein shook his head, tears now streaming down the pathetic boy's face. I don't. I don't know for sure. Something silver-blue? It fell out of his robes when he threw them off. Rolled over there somewhere, he panted, pointing shakily over to where the overturned picnic basket still lay. Draco dived over to the basket, carefully scanning the area before he saw a shimmering form underneath a broken piece of plate. He picked it up and held it up to the light, examining it. He instantly recognised it as the potion he and Theo had been working on first in potions. It all made sense now, why Theo had been so proficient at making it if he'd brewed it before, and was using it. Dear Somnium, Draco breathed quietly. What is it? Goldstein asked from his slouch-bound position. You really don't pay any attention in potions, do you, Goldstein? He mocked, waving the vial at him and waiting for the realisation which didn't come. The daydream potion? Goldstein's eyes went wide. The ones that Horn told us about at the start of the year that Death Eaters used. The very same, Draco sighed. I knew something was going on with all these dates. I've never known Theo go to so much effort for anyone before. And if he's been using this all year on Granger, it would certainly explain why their dates always seem to be so perfect. And from what Pansy has told me, she seems to come back with some kind of scratch or bruise every time. I overheard her saying to Pansy a few weeks ago that she thought Theo was angry with her because she hadn't had sex with him yet and was still a virgin. But Theo has been bragging for months about how he fucked her back in October. I swear to you, Malfoy, she was no virgin when I... Goldstein was instantly stunned again, slumping unconsciously against the wall. The last thing Draco wanted to hear, other than Granger fucking Theo, was about Granger fucking Goldstein. It seemed as though Theo had been using the potion to fuck Granger without her knowledge or consent. The thought made Draco feel physically sick with anger. Leaving Goldstein slumped on the floor, he picked up Granger, who was still limp and glassy-eyed, and carried her bridal style out of the secret hidden place by the tapestry. He made his way to the hospital wing, 
trying not to squeeze the girl in his arms too tightly in his tense and frustrated state. He was beyond angry. He was seething at what Theo had done to her. She was too good for all this, had suffered enough already. Draco cursed himself for being such a coward and not telling her how he felt all those years ago, or even at the start of term before her and Theo were an item. He could have prevented all of this. How is she doing? Harry startled Malfoy awake, causing him to almost fall off the rickety chair he was slouching in next to Granger's hospital bed. Fine, I think, he huffed, as well as can be expected. Harry nodded, pulling a chair up on the other side of her bed and taking her in his hands. What happened out there? Malfoy asked. Did they get him? He nodded. Yeah, Blaze saw him while he was flying around, running out of the secret passageway next to the bridge and managed to stun him. They always have him now in McGonagall's office, getting him ready for questioning under Veritaserum. Malfoy was instantly on his feet. He's still here, he scowled. Yeah, he's... Harry jumped onto his feet too. Whoa, he grabbed Malfoy's arm as he made his way towards hospital wing doors. Where the fuck do you think you're going? To show that fucking asshole what it's really like to be tortured, Malfoy snarled. He knew better than to fight Malfoy, and Knott was well guarded by the Aura team, but he quickly sent a Patronus out of the window once the angry blonde had left to warn McGonagall to take his wand off him before he broke down the door to her office. We'll ask you again, Mr Knott. What did you give to Miss Granger? Draco burst through the door, his wand quickly flying out of his hand as McGonagall stroked the head of a blue glimmering stag. He faltered for a second before laying eyes on the beaten and bruised form of Theo, magically bound to the chair. I know exactly what that git gave her, he panted, offering the small vial to the aura closest to him. He handed the vial over quick enough, but made sure to train his face not to scowl. He might be doing the right thing now, but he still had it ingrained in him to not fully trust Auras, especially when they were looking for a dark magic, using wizard to blame for something. And what is this, boy? The burly male aura rounded on him, but he refused to take a step back, raising his chin. Mm-hmm.